You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Can I, can I say one more thing? Sure. <laughs> well, that's getting the elk. <laughs> Haven't had one in a while. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, and we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Travis Curra, joined by Brazilian Thai. And it's that time of year, the time of year that pumpkin pies are readily available. They're back on the shelf. I don't even want to ask you the question. And judging by that sound effect, I am not even going to ask you the question. It's just a waste of my time, a waste of your time for listening to this drivel. But... Uh, a new and people just get mad at me. A new world record has been set in the area of pumpkin pie eating, and my mind is absolutely blown. <laughs> a woman from California entered this contest in New York. She ate 50 slices of pumpkin pie in 10 minutes. How many? How big are these slices? Well, I'm trying to figure it out here because I'd say... If I was cutting a pumpkin pie, each pie would probably well, let's be real. It's, if it was it's for like me, when I eat when I eat a ice cream cake from Dairy Queen, there's only one slice on it. <laughs> you crush the entire ice cream cake because I feel like this No, but I don't share it. So like why would I need to cut it? I feel like Brazilian Thai to an out live Regina, he could be in an eating contest, in an ice cream cake eating contest for my friends at Elphinstone uh, Dairy Queen? Uh, I would be out of commission for the rest of the weekend. Ah, that's how it goes. You were last week by drinking uh, your face off on the Wednesday, so what else is new? Well, I blame Andrew from the Empire Podcast for that. <laughs> so anyway, 50 slices. We so, all know I need a babysitter. If I'm cutting a pumpkin pie... <laughs> Mm -hmm. if i had to share you probably get six slices out of out of a pie so i would say that this person probably ate eight and a half pies in 10 minutes (laughs) oh my god so i i was in a pumpkin pie eating contest once before you couldn't use your hands it was naturally doused in whipped cream i ended up eating three entire pies that night and The whipped cream was so far up my nose that it's all I could smell was rancid milk for about a month. <laughs> did they? Did you end up wearing Uggs and a black vest with a white shirt the next day? <laughs> Join two and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. Oh, man. Uh, I I love me some pumpkin pie. I I don't know if I'm a fan of the whole pumpkin spice and everything, though. I'm not not really down with that. But tis the season, right, Ty? (sighs) I guess. I mean, I don't get long weekends, so whatever. Oh, I feel so bad for you. Like, here's the deal. We get to work this Sunday, so we can have next Monday off. Because then it's like a long weekend. Yeah, thanks, guys. Wow. Yep. Well, that's how it goes. Uh, Let's let's get right (laughs) into things here. Let's let the fireworks fly. Edmonton is in Hamilton, where the Ticats are six-and-a-half-point favorites over the Eskimos. The over-under set Mm -hmm. at 46-and-a-half. There was a big Mm -hmm. news in the NFL that came down last week, and normally I really don't care what they do, but Vontaze Perfect has been fined for the rest of the season for repeated headshots. and Suspended for the rest of the season. Really just not getting it. 
Um, and there is a segment of the CFL fan population that are comparing this guy to Simone Lawrence, who had his first offense, uh, the headshot, his first suspension mm-hmm. earlier this season on Zach mm-hmm. Caleros. And quite honestly, I don't get those comparisons at all. Uh, it's because they are sheep and they will follow whatever Rod Peterson says. Do we have to cut this out? <laughs> or have um, I shocked you with that? If that's all you say, I think I'll leave it in. <laughs> okay. Um, let's take, take, take what Rod, so this all stemmed from Rod Peterson calling him a thug. Right. And saying that, you know, the league missed an opportunity and all that crap. They should have, they should have did what they did to Vontaz Perfect in the NFL. Let's take a look. At Von Tesberg for just a second. I know CFL, but if we're going to compare them, let's actually compare them and not n- not just you know blindly state falsities. Uh, September 2013, fine ten grand for kicking a guy in, or hitting a guy in the in the in the groin, and another twenty one thousand for a hit on defenseless receiver in the same game. So there's two. October of 2013, spearing a receiver. That's three. These are all fine so far. October of the next year, twisting the ankle of Cam Newton and the tight end, Greg Olson of the Carolina Panthers. That's another fine. That's four. December 2015, two unnecessary roughness penalties for diving at quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. So that's five fines, six infractions. January, later that same season, defenseless receiver on the chin, 50 grand. January, this is like a week later, forfeits $500,000 in salary for a headshot on defensive receiver Antonio Brown in a playoff game and suspended three games. It was five, came down to three. October that same year, so the next season, gets fined for stepping on a Patriots running back. In November, fined another twelve grand for, you know, nothing egregious. Just gave the middle finger to Bills fans, which, I mean... The NFL basically does that every week anyways. Okay, that one's actually uh, pretty funny. <laughs> that one's hilarious, I think. Uh, August of 2017, suspended three games for a hit on a defenseless player. October 2017, fined $12,000 for kicking an opponent. Uh, March 2018 was the substance abuse policy. So, I mean, that's not player safety. That's all on him. And then this year, $112,000 for multiple, or sorry, October of 2018, fined $112,000 for multiple examples of unnecessary roughness in, a, in, in one game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then this week with the, with the headshot. If you're going to, you find me this rap sheet on supplemental discipline for Simone Lawrence, and I'll, I'll, I'll say, yeah, deserves the same punishment. This is nowhere close. I don't even think you can compare the leagues. I think it took them five times to suspend him for the first time. Yeah, it, it took so long to suspend him. Um, I don't agree with the hit on Logan Kilgore. I, it was completely unnecessary. He was already down. It's not helmet to helmet. There is head contact. I get it. It is not as bad as the slide. Therefore, the punishment should not be as bad. And I get it's completely unnecessary. He didn't need to do it. Kilgore was already down. He hits him in the head. I get it. It, it. Nobody gets hurt. Kilgore finished that game. It, played the next week. <laughs> he played the next week. So, yeah, the discipline should be lower than what it was for the Calaro set. And I know I said, you know, Calaro lit and everything. And we, somebody literally said that they were going to stop listening, whatever. He still did it. He got, he got, he took a suspension. I know the appeals and all that crap took forever, but served a suspension. He's been fined a couple times this year for other crap. And this, it, it's nowhere near close to Vontaze Perfect. Vontaze Perfect has affected rule changes in the NFL because he's such an idiot. It's it's comparing two completely different things. It took forever for them to escalate to this point to suspend them for an entire season. Don't think after three infractions that they're going to get rid of Simone Lawrence for a season. And then for him to go on and say, it's just too bad that he has the record now. It could be somebody way better. He's still a good football player. Like, give your head a shake. And to call him a thug, uh, 
last time I looked it up, it has the word criminal in it. Uh, he hasn't broken any laws. So, you know, maybe... And then first of all, you come out and call him disgusting and say, you know, you thought Canada was different. Maybe the wrong choice of words. So they're both kind of at fault here. But let's be honest here. Rod Peterson has started this whole thing, and he's just pandering to Ryder fans. And, of course, with the biggest fan base in the league, arguably, it's, they're going to take it and run with it. I don't think Simone has used the wrong choice of words at all. We don't know what these guys go through in the states, uh, what they grew up with, what they, how they got treated. No, no, no. But but to say that to say I thought Canada was different, be- replying to the video, just has a little bit of the racial undertones in my eyes. Yeah, but we don't know what he put up with growing up. That's what I'm saying. It, maybe it's not it's not fair for him to throw everyone under the bus because of Rod is what Rod is saying. No, but I I think he's implying that what Rod said, Rod calling him a thug was racial. But I think that's wrong. <laughs> you bring up the criminal thing. That is all we can comment on as white males. That's all I'm saying. We don't we don't know what Simone's upbringing was when he was growing up. That's what no, I'm I know, saying. and I'm not bringing that into it at all. No, I know. I'm bringing but... in the I'm bringing in the ra- the racial tension because, like, right now in the states, let's be honest, it is they're pretty di- it's pretty divided. And and when when Rod Peterson calls him a thug, I, I believe that's what Simone is reacting to. I guess some words have intent. It becomes mm-hmm. offensive, and it becomes racial if there is intent behind it. I, I get that argument too. But if these guys were grown up being called thugs just because of the color of their skin, and then if somebody else calls oh, them yeah. that, even if they didn't mean that, I, I'm not going to blame Simone for that. No, I, I see what you're saying there, too. Absolutely. Who? Can I, can I say one more thing? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's getting the elk. <laughs> Haven't had one in a while. Can we hug it out? Um, I'm okay. I'm not mad at you. Well, let's hug anyway. Okay. <laughs> Before this game at Tim Hortons Field, they're going to have an autograph signing with Paul Osbaldiston, Joe Monford, Danny Mack, and Rob Hitchcock. Which, by the way, the Ticats posted a highlight video of Rob Hitchcock last week. <laughs> if that guy was in the league now, he'd be banned. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty safe to say. Uh, I, I mean, a lot, a lot of like you look at guys like Joe Monford and you know Rob Hitchcock. A lot of guys that played when we were growing up, you can't play the game that way anymore, and it would be a completely like you would have you would have to have practice squads of. 200 guys because everybody be getting suspended. <laughs> but I mean, Chris, so maybe Chris Jones was, was way ahead of his time. <laughs> the, uh, Ty cats and the Eskimos did play a few weeks ago. Eskimos, uh, they fought all the way back. They had a deficit of a 21, nothing in the first quarter, but it wasn't first five to be. minutes. Yeah, Ticats ended up winning 30-27. to 27. The Eskimos did make a move. They signed Danny Vandervoort, who was highly touted as a draft pick in BC, and it didn't pan out. As for practice updates for Edmonton, who stayed out east, practiced at McMaster University. Anthony Orange has been limit, limited at practice all week. Uh, Christoph Malumba-Shamanga has not practiced. And we saw updates that Kwaku Boateng, Armando Sewell, and Devon Smith uh, were all limited in practice, but they looked good to go on Wednesday. So Eskimo fans will be happy to know that, especially with Boateng mm-hmm. and Sewell. And Eskimo James Tuck was fine for a high hit on RJ Harris last week. So I don't think we've had a clean week as far as supplemental discipline goes yet this season. But I still haven't seen a fine come across for James Franklin in his brouhaha with Derek Moncrief last week. I don't, I don't know if we will. <laughs> yeah, because it was Rodney Smith. <laughs> yeah. 
Just a hunch I got. I don't know. I had to rewind that. I'm like, wait, that's Franklin? I thought he was uh, like under a defensive lineman. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Roddy, I love him. Uh, as for Hamilton practice updates, Delvin Bro has returned to practice, so that's big for their secondary. And Sean Thomas Erlington was present doing some light jogging. Mm. Who knows if he'll be able to return by the end of the season, but I only assume that they're going to be getting Tyrell Sutton more involved into the running game Mm -hmm. uh, because I think that offense really needs it. Um, out east, it's been hot as heck this week, so I don't Must know. Must be the, nice. I don't know if the running game's really going to be that important, but they need to get Tyrell Sutton rolling. I think, if, or just have a running game in general. They need to have a running game this week if Boateng and Sewell are healthy, because they are going. That defensive front for Edmonton is going to be putting the pressure on Dane Evans. Oh they yeah, know they need to after the way the last game that they played against Hamilton started. They know they need to get to him. They need to get to him early and knock him down. The run game can stop, or not stop, but slow down the pass rush. And then you can run so many other things out of play option, or excuse me, sorry, play action, and, you know, get the ball down the field, give your quarterback more time. If they're just going to go pass happy and run the ball seven times, they're going to get crushed. This is going to be a really tough game for Logan Kilgore and the Eskimos walking into Tim Horton's field. Mm Uh, when the Ticats could come in and beat the Eskimos on their home turf quite, I mean, it looked like it was going to be bad, but they showed that they can make some really big plays and expose the Eskimos. I mean, they were just mm-hmm. torching them down the middle. Yeah. You know, no nobody there, and it just, it, it was like playing Madden on rookie mode. In the first quarter. It was, man. <laughs> it was embarrassing. It'll be really interesting to see if Jovan Santos Knox gets into the lineup here. I know uh, John Hodge from the Blue Bomber Talk podcast, a part of the Canadian Football Podcast Network, actually wrote an article saying that it's time for CFL teams to stop with depth chart um, deception of fans. I completely agree with him there. John Hodge for Prime Minister. Uh, I think injury reports should get lumped into that as well. I know how excited Eskimo fans were for their linebacking core of Santos, Knox, Unamba, and Dean at the beginning of the year, but here we are, mm-hmm. what, week 17, and they have not all been healthy at the same time. Uh, I think the Eskimos really want to get those three going before the playoffs get here. Would be nice. Uh, you know, come in with a healthy lineup and maybe get a couple reps as a group uh, before you just get thrown to the wolves. The Eskimos are actually third worst in yards per carry at 5.3 yards a carry. Of course, when you're talking yards a carry, it's really splitting hairs here because Toronto is actually dead last in the league at 5.6. And Edmonton has given up the least rushing touchdowns in the CFL with only six of them. So it will be tough for the Ticats to get Tyrell Sutton going, but there aren't very many values at running back in CFL fantasy at this point in the season. He's one of the cheaper options. He did have a receiving touchdown last week. So, I mean, if you need mm-hmm. somebody, I, I kind of like it. Because even though that Sewell and Boateng and those guys return to practice, they're still banged up. So the Ticats might be trying to run at a team that's uh, hurting a little bit. Well, and Tyrell Sutton in the nine games that he's played against the Eskimos has averaged 14 points, uh, which is, you know, two points above his career average. And at $5,627, not a bad value pick. Uh, Other than that, you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, Johnny Augustine at 26-22 in the two games that he's played uh, against Saskatchewan, where he's actually got carries, he's averaged 17.2. But that's misleading because, you know, Andrew Harris is going to start and he averaged 11.6 in the 25 games so like there's no value picks this week except for maybe Tyrell Sutton Terry Williams if you want to take a bit of a flyer and hope for uh return yards 
Yeah, or a returner. That's that's about all yeah. all you you can hope for there. Um, the Eskimos still do have the best pass defense in the CFL, giving up just over 213 yards a game. Jeez, man! But Dane Evans threw for over 350. Or no, mm-hmm. over 330 against them a few weeks ago. And I mean, Dom Davis threw for. 215 and John Jennings for 58 last week. So that's higher than their average. And I mean, well, the Ottawa Red Blacks, they, they need all the victories they can get, man. So props to the Red Blacks. Do- Dominique Davis also torched the Riders for 44 points. <laughs> and now this is Dom- this is the Dominique Davis we all expected. Don't uh, remind me. You know, remember, remember when I said this is what you wanted and not you, but just the bread blacks fans, this is what you wanted. This is what you got. And your team's going to miss the playoffs because you don't have Trevor Harris. How are the riders and the stampeders both nine and four? And one of those losses again is against Ottawa, a three win team. Dude. It's remember when Hamilton went one and 17 and their only win was against the riders. <laughs> the riders were in a first place team that year. though. It doesn't matter. <laughs> The Riders rarely are a first place team in their 110 year history or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I I refuse to believe it's ever happened. <laughs> Hamilton and Edmonton. Oh, it'll be a fun game for Friday night football. Uh let's go to Montreal, where the Calgary Stampeders are two and a half point favorites. The over under is set at fifty one and a half. Vernon Adams Jr. making his return to the lineups after uh one week stay in the penalty box after swinging a helmet at Adam Big Hill. Montreal is a place that the Stampeders have struggled over the last mm-hmm. little while here. They've lost four of their last five in Montreal. A lot of times it seems to be a late season game where mm-hmm. the Stampeders have kind of all but wrapped up the West Division. That's not the case mm-hmm. this year. No, so I expect that the guys won't be down on Crescent Street? Probably not. <laughs> uh, Friday night would just be a hunch. Uh, but, yeah, it always seems to be like your week 16, 17, 18, kind yeah. of, you know, early October time where I, I don't get like, – it's a schedule anomaly. It always seems to be Calgary on the road in Montreal late in the year. It's never the other way around. Um, it's just It's just the one place where they struggle. And, yeah, like you said, they're usually home and cooled off. Uh, where they can not necessarily lay an egg, but they they're just there. It almost seems just running through the motions and making sure everything's in working order for a playoff push. Last year's win was an ugly one too. It was like twelve six about this time, so it's yeah. not really something to be uh, all that proud about either. Um, the Alouettes. Really are- glad. Really glad I took off work early. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Alouettes are going to be in the playoffs for the first time since 2014, but they can actually clinch a home playoff game with a win here. Mm-hmm. And it seems, I mean, if you told me this in June. <laughs> I did. I did. No, 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 Travis. No. Yeah, but that they're going to be up <laughs> against the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, and I would seriously be considering them to win this game. Oh, I thought you meant a home playoff getting game. a. I thought you meant having a home playoff game because I did say that in June. I can find the text message. So and and they're not just beating, you know, the Toronto's and the Ottawa's of the world. No. They did lose to BC last week. That was with Matthew Schiltz. I. They almost won that game. Yes, if VA played that game, they probably do win. But they Mm -hmm. beat Winnipeg. They lost to Saskatchewan. They beat BC the week before that. And they actually beat Calgary at McMahon Stadium in overtime back in Mm -hmm. Week 10. So, yes, the Montreal Alouettes can do it again. But just looking at the games that they've played in this year, I think they're the most exciting team in the CFL. Well, 100% 100% agree with you. It's appointment viewing. And if you were looking to rank teams like college does, you would have to give Montreal some first place votes for the wins that they have over some of these teams. Like it's been phenomenal. And even their losses aren't blowouts and they're against really good teams as well. Yeah, it changed since the beginning of the year when uh, they 
they got handled by Hamilton, 41-10. Uh, but then the very mm-hmm. next week, they end up beating the Ticats. So the Alouettes are just a, they're just a fun team to watch. And it's kicking off a triple header on Saturday. And the ratings came out last week. Some people were a bit surprised about how good the ratings were for Montreal and BC. But I, I'm not that shocked at all because... Quebec is a football province, and with the Alouettes that winning... That game started at 11 o'clock in BC. Yeah, there's that. Or in in, in Quebec, sorry. <laughs> and the ratings were still that good for it, so BC and Montreal, of course, they all do contribute to that. But that's mm-hmm. a football province, and if the Owls are doing well, they like the Owls. I know they like to get more uh, fans in the stands. They do have a smaller stadium, so that's part of it, too, but... Uh, I think I think the province of Quebec's getting excited about the Owls too, and and winning will do that. Yeah, what and, a, what know, a concept! And, yeah, they went through this with Anthony Calvillo. Went, they were winning. They were, you know, people were going to the games. You see it with Laval. You know the program they have there that obviously pays their players. I don't think there's any doubt about that. <laughs> but if if you're going to win football and if you're going to win football games and win it in an entertaining fashion and what looks to be sustainable people are going to show up and people are going to watch your away games on TV and they've found something in Montreal and let's be honest Cavis Reed built a lot of this team he did i mean is but there going to be credit for him since he's been him? gone since he's been gone this team has been so much better I know it's so weird. So let's just put the blame a little bit, a little bit on Cavis and a lot at on the Mike same Sherman. Time? <laughs> no, no, and, and like he's going to get a little bit of the blame, but I think Sherman set that team. Like it yeah. was like watching, it, it was like watching football from the '30s where the forward pass wasn't even allowed. <laughs> like he had no idea what was going on. Uh, the Riders, they obviously moved the needle when it comes to ratings as well and this year's no mm-hmm. different but they seem to be doing it more than last year and the difference is that they have an offense last year they yes. didn't uh i know i myself enjoyed watching uh willie jefferson and charleston hughes do their thing and take the riders oh, all the way sure. to a home playoff game but the masses sure, they're not but- really into that I can only watch Zach Kolaros and Brandon Bridge make terrible decision (laughs) after terrible decision after terrible decision. Yeah, so now the Riders, they had over 600,000 people watch a game against Toronto, who they absolutely crushed. So the CFL Mm -hmm. ratings, uh, they're doing pretty well this season. Don't let any of the uh, losers tell you otherwise. Let's start with Calgary here, who have signed veteran linebacker Marcus Ball. Two-time Grey Cup champion with the Toronto Argonauts. Spent some time mm-hmm. in the NFL as well. That's a big get for that defense that already is playing lights out despite all yeah. of the losses from last year. They're, they're rich, get richer. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I know exactly. like, it was weird a couple weeks ago to see Calgary not in first place and not with only two losses. But here they are back atop the West and getting ads of guys that are going to contribute right away and can just plug into the lineup and make that defense that much better. They have also signed former Bombers running back Timothy Flanders to the practice roster, who you'll remember he made some plays with the Winnipeg Blue mm-hmm. Bombers. He was just sharing time with uh, Andrew Harris. He he kind of would be what Nick Dembski is now. It was just, I think, the wrong passport for him. But all of the injuries piling up at running back in Calgary, yeah. they need to bring in another guy. Uh, speaking of injuries, Markeith Ambles is out for the year after undergoing ankle surgery. And Corey Greenwood hasn't practiced this week, but Nate Hawley stepped in and he's been making plays all year on special mm-hmm. teams and looks like He's going to do the same on defense. Greenwood is probably beat up a little bit. You tackle that many people that yeah. many times, your body's going to start to break down as well. For so sure. Who knows if it's if it's just a little bit of rest with him getting the benefit of the doubt, or if it's a, or like a maintenance day, or if it's if he's going to miss this week. But they have the depth they have on that defense right now. Uh, you know it that, that whole organization. Uh, the depth they have, it just seems that you know they can go one or two games 
uh, missing a big name and, and plug that hole. Yeah, because Reggie Bagleton's going to be back too. He missed. Uh, oh, good. He missed the, <laughs> the last week, so uh, I'm sure the Owls uh, would be mm-hmm. okay if he wasn't playing, but uh, they're going to have to deal with him, especially Bo Lacombo playing safety back there without your boy in the yes. lineup for the rest of the year. Uh, Boris, one out. Boris Beattie has not practiced this week. Neither has defensive end Antonio Simmons for the, the Alouettes. Does Alouets. a kicker really need to practice? I, I let's, think let's go, he, so. A kicker going to practice, he shows up, kicks seven balls, and then everybody <laughs> hates him because he leaves. <laughs> Kari, oh, I got to go to the trainer's room. Is optimistic that they'll both play this week. Let's kind of look at what some of the major players in the Montreal Alouettes receiving core have done over the past three games. Devere Posey averaged 16 points, Eugene Lewis 19, and Quan Bray 9.7. That does include a game with Matthew Schiltz at quarterback last Mm -hmm. week where Bray had a big old goose egg. Uh, as far as receiving goes. Which, and he's, also, he's not helping himself on the punt returns. He's not. Which Alouette's uh, pass catcher would you like to put in your lineup this week, if any? Um, Because it's Calgary, I, I would be shying away. But Jake Winnicky. He's sneaky know, good, man. That and Posey and Lewis and Bray are going to draw a lot of attention. Yep. And, you know, Wynicki might have some favorable matchups, whether it be, uh, you know, against the linebacker or against, you know, the fourth DB. Uh, he can find, he might be able to find some room. Chris Matthews also, uh, you know, you forget that he's there. Uh, really quiet week last week after the two touchdown game against Winnipeg, but there's also, he can he can break plays uh, if he gets the opportunity to get into the lineup. And Wynicki is super cheap at 3861 if you look at uh, the last time these two teams played, Devere Posey had 10 catches for 181 yards. Eugene Lewis, mm-hmm. 10 catches for 114 yards. Wieneke had 5 for 52 and a touchdown. <laughs> Get the brooms out, Montreal. Let's go. These guys found a way to mm-hmm. put uh, put up some yards on the Stampeders. And Jake Wieneke is actually in the top 10 for receiving touchdowns. Five of them, the league leader, well, two of them, Eric Rogers and Brandon Bakes, each have eight. I think Wieneke is almost this year's uh, Drew Walatarski, if I had to come up with a comp on the fly there. Not the most receiving yards, but he has a pretty good uh, touchdown ratio here. And, like, he gets he gets a little bit of the favorable matchup. There, It's been a quiet five touchdowns. Right, it has been. He he is not making the flashy plays. He's making the plays he needs to make, and he's just catching the ball. Right? He's, mm-hmm. he's not making eight guys miss like Brandon Banks does on a screen pass, or you know, burning burning safeties over the top and getting behind coverage. He's he's making the plays that he is supposed to be making, and it's going to builds trust with your quarterback, and he's starting to find him more and more, and he's getting in the end zone, which is a plus. The Alouettes are giving up 104.5 yards a game on the Alouettes are giving up 104.5 yards a game on the ground and the Stampeders are getting Don Jackson back into the lineup. Uh, there's another team just like the Ticats that need to get their running game going. The last time that the Stamps and the Owls played, Jackson had 13 carries for 77 yards. He's just over $6,000 on CFL Fantasy. So if he could repeat that performance at that price, I think he'd be pretty happy. Uh, I would not be disappointed. Yes, exactly. Obviously, you want to score and some more uh, catches in there, but you'll take what you can get. This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Alberta Health Services, and they have an important message to pass on to you. We ask these children if they know when to go to emergency and when there are other options. I would definitely go to emergency if I broke my arm. If you stopped breathing or something's really wrong. If you had a cold, you should probably just go to the doctor and not into the emergency. Or clinic. If you have an emergency, we're here to help. If it's not an emergency, you have options. 
Take control of your health. Call 811 or visit ahs.ca slash options. All right. It's it's kind of weird to have the Riders and the Bombers playing when it's not the Badger Bowl or Labor Day. But here we are where the Riders are five and a half point favorites. The over-under set at 47 and a half. Before we really get going, I do want to say happy belated birthday to George Reed. 80 years old yesterday. He is CFL royalty. I am just in awe of uh, George Reed. I've never mm-hmm. been able to meet him. My dad was able to meet him. Um, and this Did is your dad always, have his shirt on? I'll always... Yeah, he's got the George Reed jersey. This is why I'll okay. always love my uh, dad, obviously, because he's my dad. <laughs> but he got me a George Reed autograph that says, Best wishes, Travis. It's on my desk at work. I'd love to meet the living legend one day. He's got the statue outside of New Mosaic Stadium. He's just a... Uh, mm-hmm. One of those guys that doesn't even seem real. It's just larger than life. And if there's a CFL Mount Rushmore, I think George Reed is on it. I think that's pretty safe to say. Yep. And like he sit, it's not like he sits in the alumni booth. I know and stuff. And <laughs> that's we were, the best. We were talking to Chris Getzlaff at Labor Day as well. They they sit with they they buy their tickets and they sit in the stands with the people. Yeah. Chris Getzlaff right. said that too. He said, "I yeah. I don't want to be in the alumni lounge. I want to be in this atmosphere." Yeah, and like that that was the one drawback to that to being in that suite was the atmosphere was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. It was still a great great time and everything, but you can totally see where they're coming from because we've been in the stands on on opening day, for example. That was my first Labor Day this year, but you know, opening day in that hailstorm. And it cleared up, and that place was ap- it was old mosaic, and that place is absolutely electric for the entire game. Mm-hmm. It's just a di- it's a different animal to sit out there. The Riders did win Labor Day this year, and they lost the Banjo Bulls. So this is a massive game for Winnipeg, who have been kind mm-hmm. of ooh spinning their tires a little bit. They're five and five in their last ten. The Riders are eight and two. In their last ten, oh. so both teams. You don't kinda, realize it until you say it. I know both teams kind of headed in a little bit different directions right now, but this game decides the season series. This one will, yeah. I mean, this it's decides who hosts the West semifinal at the worst. Exactly, it's mathematically possible for things to change after this. But if the Riders win this. Uh, home playoff game for the second year in a row for that team. Yeah, I mean it's a four point game. Winnipeg would have to win two. Would have to beat them in points. Yeah, uh, you can't. They couldn't tie, right? So this gives them that cushion. Uh, it's and it, it's awesome that the schedule just worked out this way. That it's this late in the year. Uh, you know, a week twenty one matchup would be pretty cool, but uh, it's. It's one of those things the riders have to come out and they have to make they got to get the, they got to get the job done if they want to host a home playoff game the same with Winnipeg like you said they're going in opposite directions a little bit Winnipeg's still playing 500 football but you know Strevler needs to you know take the reins like he is going to be the starter for the rest of the year we know this it's it's done so they're going to have to figure out some way because teams have somewhat figured out what Strevler can and can't do and they're starting to exploit it the Bombers have been a bit banged up at practice this week as well. Drew Wallatarski, Darvin Adams missed on Tuesday. They both returned on mm-hmm. Wednesday, but defensive backs Anthony Gator and Kyrie Wilson have missed all week. Brandon Alexander may be starting at safety, so that would mean Jake Thomas starts at defensive tackle to switch the ratio there. As for the Riders, they've signed actually former University of Regina star running back Atlee Simon I was a bit shocked that no teams really had him up until this point. He didn't really, I don't think he got drafted, but the numbers he put up in U Sports, I thought the mm-hmm. kid should have deserved the shot. And I, I'm glad to see the Riders adding another local guy like Mitch Pickton to their practice roster. And this has been a point of discussion here. Jordan Williams Lambert is set to make his start, his first start of the season, as Manny Arsenault will be a scratch. I think Arsenault and Roosevelt, they made it as hard as they could possibly make it for the coaches to get Williams Mm -hmm. Lambert into the lineup. Should they have made the change and kind of messed with the chemistry a little bit? 
I think the thinking behind it is to get him reps. Sure, it's going to come to the expense of Manny Arsenault, but Manny Arsenault has played enough in this league that he will be prepared if something happens in this game and he has to start next week. But you don't want an injury to happen where Jordan Williams-Lambert has to come in and hasn't taken any first-team reps, hasn't played anything. This way, you know, he gets in, gets some reps, and they can go forward from here. And they're going to have the depth that they need at that position. And with Cody Fajardo, who knows what he'll be able to do uh, with all these weapons. I mean, he could start putting up, not that he's not putting up big numbers already, but, I mean, this is just going to cement the fact that they they could make it to a great cup with with the depth that they're adding. Williams Lambert was one of the few bright spots of uh, this uh, yeah. team and receiving core. Last year it was talked about that the Riders have a weak receiving core, but things change really quickly throughout the course of a season, and I think a lot of it has to do with a quarterback, uh, <laughs> a running game, the offensive line playing well. It all comes together, mm-hmm. and it makes it look like they have a really good receiving core. And when... I mean, Manny Arsenault had a massive long touchdown last week, and now he's sitting on the bench. They've suddenly got some depth at that position. Which we haven't seen for a long, long time. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> where where somebody can come off the bench and start the next week, and we, we think, yeah, this guy could, could have you know 90 yards and two touchdowns. The last couple of years has been like, if it's not Shaq Evans or Naaman, yeah, there's not a whole lot going to happen uh, in the secondary today. Yeah, uh, Saskatchewan and Winnipeg. It's Especially always last a... year. <laughs> Saskatchewan and Winnipeg is always a fun battle, uh, and this one is going to be no different. Let's go to BC, the last game in uh, another Super Saturday where the Lions are 9.5-point favorites over the Toronto Argonauts, over-under set at 50.5. BC did mm-hmm. beat Toronto on a legendary rouge Back in July. It's now infamous, I'll give, you, I'll give you one guess as to where I was for that game. It was July. I was, I guess you were probably at, at the Chuck Wagons like, or something. I was, I was in Lloyd. <laughs> wow. That I was doesn't at, happen often. I was, I was at BP's working on my second two six of whiskey while yelling at the TV that it was a rouge. <laughs> and that I had just won my bet because I bet the farm on Toronto that night. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, so I got I got lucky. <laughs> uh, but BC won. Or I bet the farm on BC, sorry. Oh, nice, nice, nice. So I got uh, I got real lucky. We don't know who's going to start at quarterback for the Argos. Corey Chamberlain has refused to name a starter. And I don't care because he's not going to make the right decision anyway. <laughs> okay, you're Corey Chamberlain. Who are you starting? Dakota Prukop or Michael O'Connor. I agree. I, I think that's Season's enough. done. What What are you doing? You're, you're trying to showcase these guys for possible trades? Well, you're doing a piss-poor job of it because they suck right now. And you had McLeod Bethel-Thompson probably raising his trade value and raising you know his free agency value with the numbers he was putting up. Yeah, he wasn't getting the wins, but, I mean, the the defense wasn't helping much. I don't want to say that, like, the offense, yeah, they, they could have been a little bit better, but, I mean, he's putting up you know over 300 yards a night, turning the ball over a little bit, but... You just totally destroy his confidence, and and any any momentum he had, which is a word I hate to use, is, is gone. And now you put in James Franklin, and the offense goes stale. I just don't get it. I'd like to see Prukop in the first half and Michael O'Connor in the second half. Of course, O'Connor played for UBC, so I think that would be mm-hmm. awesome for him uh, to play at mm-hmm. BC Place. But uh, I just somehow don't see that happening. I think it's been proven that Corey Chamberlain can't be a head coach. For all that we crap on James Wilder Jr., I want to give props to his run Wilder for a cure. He will be donating mm-hmm. $1 per yard and $100 per touchdown to breast cancer research. And joining him, other CFL running backs, Tyrell Sutton, William Powell, C.J. Gable, Moses Madu, William Standback, Brandon Rutley, and John White, and Don Jackson. Andrew Harris is Watch Corey it. Chamberlain put Chris Rainey in the starting lineup now. 
<laughs> Andrew Harris isn't doing it, but that's because he has his own community initiative mm-hmm. that he is taking part. So thumbs up to James Wilder Jr. for that. Uh, hopefully he scores some touchdowns all October long. I, I think it. I don't think it gets covered enough, the amount that these players do in the communities. Probably not. In. A lot of it is done under the radar. And, yeah. And you got to respect that because they're not looking for accolades. No. They just and, do it because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And and the Sedins did it as well. They don't. I think it was ten million dollars, and they were like, "We don't want our names on anything." Yeah. And the hospital's like, "We kind of have to do some things. We can't just get ten million dollars <laughs> and be like, oh, we can't tell you where we got it from.'" Yeah. Yeah. That's you. You love when guys do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lamar Durant has already doubled his career best in receiving yards for the Lions. He's 191 yards away from 1,000. He's averaging 15.3 points over his last three games. Might be a nice little inexpensive option against the Argo defense this week. You know, just well, he's 5,851 bucks. His career average is 7.9, so he's been way over it. But, I mean, the offensive line right now in BC, the whole offensive line has turned around. They look different ever since they changed the it, O-line it, coach, yep. It, yeah, it's a it's 180 degrees. Mike Riley now is time. It started that first game where, you know, it wasn't quite what it is now, but the quick pass is getting the ball out, and it's just it's snowballed. And now they're starting to, with the adjustments they've made, they, they have been able to spread the ball out and find guys. And a guy like Lamar Durant, with Deron Carter and Brian Burnham uh, in that receiving core is reaping the benefits, uh, having the chance to maybe get favorable matchups. The Argos are giving up the most passing yards in the league, 325.8 yards a game. They are giving up the worst completion percentage to opposing quarterbacks, 73.7% every single game. So this might be a big Mike Riley game, considering how the offensive line has been playing, considering how mm-hmm. John White has been going since he has returned from injury. I'm pretty sure the last time I picked Mike Riley was their win over the Toronto Argonauts, and it did not pay off. But there's a real shot here that this could be Mike Riley's biggest fantasy game of the season. He hasn't been the monster he was in Edmonton mm-hmm. so far while in B.C., and so 10 games against Toronto in his career, he's averaged 21.2. Uh, his career average per start has obviously come down uh, yeah. because of this year. He was over, I think he was up around 23 or 24 points. He's now down to 20.8. But at all, just over $9,000, If he, let's say he gets you 21.2 and he hits his average, you're only paying $424.91 a point. That's uh, that's a pretty good bargain here. John White has been averaging 19.4 points since his return from injury two games ago. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a nice option which too. Which is well which is well above his career average. Uh so wow. hop on the hop on this hop on this while it's hot. In the Canadian Football Podcast Network Fantasy Challenge this week, I've got BB Can Ryan and you have Ryan from Canadian Football Countdown. Well, I already know what BB Can Ryan's lineup is going to be. It's going to be all Stampeders. Yep. <laughs> but you have a shot here. So you could literally just pick the same lineup and hope that you might get like one extra point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like just pick one one player different. <laughs> I am tie I'm in a three-way tie for first. I think it is with Ryan from Canadian Football Countdown. You're just a win behind, so this is a big one. Who's weirdly the commissioner is in first place. So I think there's something shady going on. <laughs> What's your fantasy lineup this week, buddy? Uh Dane Evans, William Powell, Terry Williams hoping for some return yards and you know, they're probably gonna split carries a little bit with Don Jackson. He'll probably get some some play out of the backfield. Uh Braylon Addison, Naaman Roosevelt, and Say my it. best friend Say my it. best friend apparently, Deron <laughs> Carter. And I did not pick a defense because BC's defense, not that cheap. Hamilton's defense, not very cheap this week, so I went defenseless. All right. I uh, went with Mike Riley, putting money where my mouth is. I went Don Jackson, Tyrell Sutton, Brian Burnham. I got the Riley-Burnham connection. I put Josh Huff in there. He's still only $2,500. He gets around 9 or 10 points a week if he gets that. Without Markeith Ambles, I'll be happy. I got Mm -hmm. Marcus Tucker in my flex, 
who you know what's going to happen now that you took Marcus Tucker? He's going to get like a three-point week. <laughs> I know. I, <laughs> that's exactly what's going to happen. It's almost been at the beginning of the year, Jalen Acklin was having some big games um, mm-hmm. for the Ticats. Now it's kind of switched over to Marcus Tucker, who last week who had five catches for 80 yards, 13 fantasy points. The week before, three for 54 against Edmonton, a touchdown, 14.4 points. He's only $3,382, and I think he might be a decent, cheap receiver this mm-hmm. week, and they're just hard to come by. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know... Just the way that Dane Evans and that receiving core has been playing, I don't know if there's a bad pick in Hamilton right now. Yeah, they seem to they seem to be able to feed all of those hungry mouths. And I, I've got the Lions defense. That being said, I'm going to find a way to put in Jake Wenicky over Deron Carter and have to make a couple other changes. I'm like 100% sure that's going to happen. <laughs> Who are your top projected guys this week? Uh, so Chris Strevler again. Uh, two starts against the Riders, 26.7. Dane Evans, 24.2 in his lone start against the Eskimos. And Vernon Adams Jr. Uh, actually is the most expensive starting quarterback this week. Uh, third highest in points per start against the opposition with 21.3. Uh, running backs, James Wilder Jr., 21.7 in the four games he's played against BC. Uh, William Powell, 19.6 in eight games. Johnny Augustine is third with 17.2, but you know that he is not going to be getting the bulk of the carries. Uh, Chris Rainey, I don't know about. So Terry Williams at at 14.6 uh, points per game and four starts. And then receivers is like Brandon Addison's the one standout at 25.5 in the one game this year. Uh, Wenicke comes in second at 18.2. Uh, st- do you do we know what's going on with Luke Tasker yet? Who he could draw back into the lineup, and that wouldn't be good for uh, Marcus Tucker or Jalen Acklin. No. Because he is third with 17.5 points per game in nine games. Uh, Kenny the King Lawler, 16.7 uh, against the Riders this year. He's averaged, and Greg Allenson uh, was 16.4 in the 11 games that he has played against Hamilton. And just because to prove why I picked him, to give it a reason why Duran Carter is in my lineup, in the 12 games that he has played um, against Toronto, he has averaged 15.6 points per game, and he was pretty cheap at 46.40. Here's one more note on that Toronto-BC game. Devon Claybrook says that the Lions are playing like every game is playoff football here. But if the Eskimos beat the Ticats it, on it Friday... It literally is. It is, If they lose, they're done. If if the Ticats lose to Edmonton on Friday, then the Lions Whoa. are done. Yeah. So, I wonder how that would change the game... For the Lions, I know, I know that the depth charts are already in, and I know Mike Riley is a competitor, but that just changes your mindset. I think it it really just becomes a, a game about nothing unless guys are really that fired up to play for their jobs. And that's what you got to hope for, right? Yeah, you got to hope that they're going to play for a little. Like you, you want to play, and I know it's football. There's no emblem on the front of the jersey, kind of thing. But when when it comes down to that. You just don't want to have pride in your in yourself to go out there and you know perform up to your potential. So if if it does turn out that Edmonton wins and BC is eliminated, uh, you know Clay Brooks has to kind of hope that the guys want to play for themselves, not only for the team, but you know play for the guy beside you and play play for yourself because you know everybody's gonna have to find jobs again next year uh, for like free agency and, and stuff like that, right? We are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I want to point you into the direction of Ed. Conversations about the teaching life. No lists, no inspirational quotes, just honest conversations with teacher Shane Lawrence. Here interviews with educators every week and a monthly check-in with a roundtable of local teachers. Oh, it's one of the most underappreciated jobs. I think I know uh, how I was in class. I know how you were in class. Uh, so Wait, thank hey, you. hey, 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 hey. Okay, the I only reason I was the, the way I was is because we were friends and <laughs> You I were a terrible influence. <laughs> Again, yeah. Hey, where's the ra- where was the Rambo review? Uh, oh, Coach we Vic, have to do that. Coach Vic wants to know. If you want nothing but cheesy violence, you'll enjoy it. Is that a good enough review? You just described every Rambo movie. <laughs> hey, the first one had some quality acting, man. Don't besmirch that. 
Well, and it was filmed. It was filmed in Hope, BC. So I mean, it did. It did. It did tug on the heartstrings a little bit, right? I, I love that little Canadian. Can-con. I love that Canadian connection there. Um, so check out Ed Conversations about a teaching life and all the other great shows at AlbertaPodcastNetwork.com. If you need any CFL tickets. Well, you need to go to SeatGiant.ca. The NHL just got fired up last night as well. SeatGiant.ca, Canadian owned and operated, Canadian prices. So that's big. You don't get any crazy surprises in U.S. conversions when you put it on your credit card. If you use the promo code Mm -hmm. APN, you'll save 5% and you'll support the Alberta Podcast Network in the process. SeatGiant.ca for all of your tickets. Use the promo code APN. P-N, and we should remind you, to and Out Live, coming up November 21st at Booker's Barbecue Grill and Crab Shack. I can't wait for this. It's the afternoon on the Thursday, so you can go hit Spirit of Edmonton. You can go to the CFL Awards. You can do whatever you want, or we can all just stay at Booker's and have meat We can just stay at Booker's and, you know, eat an entire cow and drink all of their beer. <laughs> Maybe we should make that our life goal. Drink all of their beer. <laughs> Yeah, until you got to drink all the crappy stuff. But. <laughs> there shocker, are literally, shocker, not a big fan of craft beer. <laughs> there are literally seven tickets left. So, two and out. Get them before my mother does. Uh-oh, she might buy the rest of them. I they might be end surprised. up on seatgiant.ca. <laughs> oh. Yeah, she's, she's just pocketing all the profit, not going to donate any of it. <laughs> Scalping them on there for forty bucks. Tickets are fifteen dollars. <laughs> they include your first drink and a donation to CFL fans fight cancer. So two and out.ca. It's sticky to the top. Click the link and follow the links to get your tickets for two and out live November twenty first in Calgary. Also, we're making the first order ever of Two and Out CFL Podcast t-shirts. We've got right around 35 orders right now, but we're not going to put it in until after Thanksgiving. So you do have just under two weeks to get your order in. We're selling them for 20 Canadian dollars. If you don't live in Canada and you don't uh, or you're not coming to the Grey Cup, we will ship them to you. We're just asking that you cover the postage and we're also going to donate proceeds from that to CFL fans fight cancer. So Brazilian Ty, uh, tell us about these two and out t-shirts. They don't only come in black. How can people make their order? You can DM the podcast account on on Twitter if you if you follow us and we'll follow you back just so that we can... Uh, communicate that way there's also if you don't follow us on there but you follow you know the two of us on twitter uh individually you can get our dms there there's fa- the facebook page uh travis has not given me the instagram password and username oh, haven't? stuff so if you do get on there that's his responsibility throw me under uh, the bus again you know, we we will literally take orders any way we any way you can get them to us. Uh, if you know our phone numbers, you can call us. Uh, I will probably screen your call and call you back later, or just fire you a text. New phone, who dis? Um, not only cut, do they come in black, you can get them. We have kind of altered the design a little bit and went with team colors, or the closest that I could get to team colors on the website we're using, and went with like the team secondary color as a one color logo. Uh, so, for example, the Bombers are a royal blue T-shirt with a gold logo. Uh, BCs, which are super sharp, are the orange with the black logo. And then uh, Montreal, we went navy with a red logo and so forth and so on. Uh, and when you do order or you're asking about them, we can send you uh, the proofs of those too, just so you can see what they're going to look like before you decide to uh, purchase one. And I do want to read an email we got from the mailbag on 2andout.ca from Chad. It says, hi, guys. I just wanted to thank you for a fun and entertaining podcast. I'm one of those weirdos from the American Midwest, lives in Illinois, who loves the CFL. I've been a fan of the CFL and the Calgary Stampeders since 1993 when Doug Flutie was paralyzed by the cold in the West Final and the Stamps lost to the Eskimos. I have not yet attended a CFL game in person, but your podcast gives me a little taste of the game day experience. Keep up the great work, and I hope to see you at McMahon Stadium one day. Sincerely, Chad Oliver. That's cool. Two and out nation is like global. The borders don't hold us in, man. No, it. 
We are, we are, you know, going. We're, we're going to be two and out, two point next year, I think. <laughs> right, we might have to do a world tour. We might not just be a Grey Cup show. We might have to do a, or well, at least a North American tour to start. Two and out live in Chicago, Illinois. How many people do you think we could get? Uh, oh, depends. Are we doing it on a Bears game day? <laughs> I'll take Zach on in a Chicago deep dish pizza eating contest any day. Oh my god! <laughs> yes. What we should do is is do it like the morning of St. Patrick's Day and then just roll right into the party and jump into the Green River. Yes, because Chicago is legend has legendary parties for St. Patrick's Day. It's an absolute gong show. Thanks for listening to our little podcast. Rate and review on your favorite podcatcher, and we will talk to you Monday morning. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.